Can you turn in your Bibles to Revelation and chapter 8? Uh, we'll be reading uh, from there. Mo's going to do the reading for us um, in a moment. Seven in the scripture, you know, is seen as symbolic of completeness. And we've already seen some significant sevens in the book of Revelation so far. We've looked at seven churches. Um, we read about the seven spirits of God, which is about the completeness of the Holy Spirit. Um, last week, we looked at the seven seals, and there's lots more sevens to come as well. Today, we're looking at the seven trumpets. This is seven angels, God's messengers, with seven trumpets. You know, in Scripture, trumpets mean different things throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, uh, they were used to gather people to the tabernacle. They were used as given as a signal of attack when they were going into battle. Uh, they used them as a war cry to confuse the enemy, like Gideon did. They announced Sabbaths and special festivals, and they announced the enthronement of Israel's kings. But here in Revelation... Uh, we see these trumpets as warnings. So Mo is going to come and read Revelation 8 from verse 6 and to chapter 9, verse 21. Thank you, Mo. I'd like to use this microphone here. <clears throat> Revelation 8 and verse 6. The seven trumpets... Now the seven, trumpet, the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel, oh sorry, I've gone the wrong way. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days people will seek death and will not find it, 
They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and a sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons of, and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mo. Well, what are we to make of all these images? John sees seven angels blowing seven trumpets, bringing warnings from heaven. And these are all in response to the prayers and intercessions of the persecuted saints from the suffering church. You see, the blood of martyrs, the suffering of the saints, the prayers of the church are very important to Jesus. And he acts on our behalf from his throne. So it's key that we remember that every time we pray, Jesus is acting on our behalf. Whether we see answer to that prayer or not, if it's the answer that we want or not, every time we pray, Jesus is on his throne and he will always act on the behalf of his children. Each trumpet sound brings a limited judgment upon the earth and on mankind with a call to repent. The judgments are a call to rebellious nations to turn to Jesus, the one on the throne. So from this passage, we can see that the judgments of God not only happen at the last judgment, but happen throughout history. These trumpet warnings are a mixture of the symbolic and the literal. It's sometimes quite difficult, isn't it, to know what is symbolic and what is literal. If it sounds a bit weird, 
it's probably symbolic. That's a very rough guide. But if it's sounding a bit weird, I'd encourage you just to dig below the surface and see what it actually means to try and understand it. We will see in these um, trumpets that they have an obvious connection with Egypt and the plagues of Egypt, and they were literal. But I'd encourage you just to hold very lightly whether these are literal or symbolic, not to get bogged down in uh, too much detail on these. But angel number one appears, and the trumpet warns of death by burning. Uh, John sees hailstones and fire mixed with blood. Not a very nice picture. And this destroys one-third of the earth, one-third of trees, and all the grass. And this trumpet echoes the seventh plague uh, in Egypt, the one of hail. Angel number two steps forward, and a trumpet blasts, and this warns of death from mountains falling into the sea. This looks and sounds remarkably like volcanic activity fire and lava flowing down mountains over land and into the sea. This destroys sea creatures, ships, crew and passengers, and water quality is seriously affected by around a third of the seas, and they're turned to blood. This echoes the first plague in Egypt uh, when the Nile was turned to blood. One commentator mentions uh, that it's been recorded that red Saharan sand uh, falling in rain looks a little bit like blood. Whether John would have seen that, we don't know. John might also been, have, have been aware of Mount Vesuvius um, erupting in AD 79. Maybe that fed into his visions, we don't know. But certainly when I've had uh, prophetic um, dreams and visions, that sort of thing, there's sometimes things that have been real, things that I have seen, have come into those, those dreams. So these things could have affected um, what John saw. Angel number three. This trumpet warns of death coming from the heavens. A blazing and burning star named Wormwood falls from space. What does this sound like? It sounds like a meteorite, doesn't it? This star hits rivers and watercourses, poisoning uh, the water's earth supply. Many people die from bitter, poisoned water. The name Wormwood was given to a number of Palestinian bitter plants, and this echoes the poisoned waters in the Nile. Any disruption of water supply quickly and dramatically affects us, doesn't it? If you remember, you were living in Helsham a couple of years ago and we didn't have water for two days. Um, sanitation became a bit of a problem in my house after a couple of days, and I expect you experienced that as well. But we very quickly run into trouble, don't we, when water is in short supply. It eventually affects industry and commerce. Angel number four. The trumpet warns of Earth's light sources being struck and a reduction of light by about a third. This also resembles the ninth plague in Egypt and also Joel's vision in his um, book in chapter two where the sun and the moon are darkened. So these first four trumpet blasts have announced partial judgments on the earth, on the oceans, on the water, on light sources, and on humans to a limited extent. So these are partial judgments. Then one solitary eagle appears in the sky so that it can be seen and heard by everyone. 
Its cry is, woe, woe, woe. This pause between the trumpet blasts marks a turn and an escalation in the judgments because there's three more angels that are coming with three more trumpet warnings. This eagle, I think, is an example for us of the tension between the literal and the symbolic. The eagle, often a symbol of the prophetic, uses language that John can understand. The eagle says, woe to those who are on the earth at the blasts of the trumpets. Generally, in my experience, eagles don't speak to me. Your, my, my, your experience might be different. But of course, Balaam's donkey spoke in a language that could be understood, and God can easily make an eagle speak in a language that we can understand. In my view, though, this is probably symbolic of the prophetic crying out around the world and warning of judgments to come, which, of course, in our day and age is not unthinkable. Angel number five. This trumpet warns of demonic tormentors being released from hell, like smoke polluting the earth. These tormentors look like locusts, again echoing the locust plague in Egypt and also described by Joel. Now locusts destroy absolutely everything in their path. They strip trees and vegetation, everything that's in their way. They're about two inches long and they've got a wingspan of about five inches and they look a bit like flying cigars, if you can imagine that. They fly in great big columns up to four miles long and sounds like heavy rain. These are symbolic um, as they have stings in their tail like scorpions and human faces. It's weird imagery, isn't it, as we, we read it. But these demonic tormentors would attack those who were not followers of Jesus. Those, who's, who, those who are without the seal of God on their foreheads. And we've come across this seal before, back in chapter 7. So the saints are sealed by God before these judgments and they were protected. Interesting, in the vision of the locusts, we're told that no harm was, was done to the vegetation, which is not like locusts at all. However, their victims, the unbelievers, would cry out uh, to die because of such of their torment. But you know, we are protected from all demonic attacks. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 to his disciples, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. And that's the truth. You know, the judgments we are protected from because of what Jesus has done and because of the authority that we have been given. Amen? That is such an encouragement. We do not have to fear anything of the demonic. A difficult question we have in this passage is how can a holy, righteous, loving God let loose demonic spirits? We need to remember that God never directly, make, directly makes anyone do anything evil. It is always the choice of the individual, including the demonic spirits. Manchester, London, and London again last night, they were by the choice of men. But God actually uses evil 
and the sinful choices of men. God allows in his wisdom to, uh, to allow rebellion and sin, but he does have control on it. He does rein it in. It's a bit like a dog on a lead. It can only go so far. So far and no further. We see this ultimately in the death of Jesus Christ. God allowed the death, the horrific crucifixion of his much-loved son to bear the sin of the world for the salvation of mankind. Yet that came through the choices and decisions of men, of Judas Iscariot, of the high priest Caiaphas, of Pilate and other religious leaders. God even uses the wrong choices of men and women for his purposes. God transforms suffering. The suffering of the cross ended in triumph. Angel number six steps forward. The trumpet warns of four unrestrained demonic angels of death being released at the command of heaven. These would kill a third of mankind by a plague of fire, smoke, and sulfur. This is Satan waging war on his followers. This final warning leads to a massive two million strong army, which is almost certainly symbolic. You imagine the queue for the toilet with a two million strong army in the morning before battle would be unimaginable. So I'm sure that that is symbolic. But it's symbolic of a mighty army killing a third of mankind who did not repent of the wickedness despite the trumpet warnings. And then we have the sad ending in the passage of those who were not eliminated by the plagues, who did not heed the warnings but continued worshipping idols and living ungodly lifestyles. And then the woe of the second eagle is heard. Before we look at angel number seven, I want us just to, I want just to make a few general comments that hopefully will help us understand uh, these weird images, these weird pictures. Now, the seven seals that were opened by Jesus that we looked at last week, the seven trumpets this week, and the seven bowls, which we'll look at in a few weeks' time, are all parallel events. They all show the same event, but from a different perspective. So they're not chronological. So it's not seven seals, seven trumpets, and then seven bowls. They are showing us the same event. Have you ever watched a film where the storyline begins and then most of the film is the back story? Or a film where there's flashbacks of past events where the writer fills in the, the back story to make sense of the present? It's a little bit like that. The trumpets are giving us an overview from the ascension of Jesus, which all good Anglicans would have celebrated uh, 10 days ago now, uh, and to his coming kingdom, when his kingdom fully comes and is fully manifest. So this, these seven trumpets are giving us a huge overpicture of the period of time that we are living in. In our understanding of the book of Revelation, we need to keep at the very center that Jesus is reigning and ruling on the throne over all time. Jesus never loses control or hands over his power or his authority at any moment. 
Jesus is risen, glorified, seated at the right hand of the Father and bringing his kingdom reign and rule to earth. And his love, compassion and protection are constantly expressed towards us, his church. Andrew Wilson uses the illustration of a play and a stage performance. I'm not sure whether this was his illustration or where he read it somewhere, but it's a brilliant illustration. On a, in a play or a stage performance, you have main characters that are center stage. Others around play other parts, and you have those that are backstage as well. And yet, they are all part of the performance. Now, Jesus, in the book of Revelation, is center stage on his glorious throne. And the book of Revelation gives us the behind-the-scenes view of what is happening in the spiritual realm. That's why we've got all this strange demonic stuff, these strange symbols. It's all uh, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that we cannot see in the physical much of the symbolism and figurative nature of Revelation can be seen in this way. So these seven trumpet judgments and warnings are events that happen following the ascension of Jesus into the heavens and leading up to his glorious return. So these physical calamities, these holy judgments will occur again and again throughout this period of history. So in other words, these signs in the heavens and on the earth will happen throughout our lifetime until the final return of Jesus Christ. So trying to equate natural events with the return of Jesus Christ is really a waste of time. For example, you know, a report comes out that there's been more earthquakes or volcanoes um, and people rush to try and fit this in somewhere into the book of Revelation. And we're not to try and do it like that. To give you another example, in the last century, Hitler, the Pope, various Russian presidents, the EU have all been tried to be identified with end time eschatology. And some have been named the Antichrist. It's all nonsense because we don't interpret Revelation like that. This is not how we should interpret these things. They are the overview for us. Jesus said in Matthew 24, there will be wars and rumors of wars. So every time we hear of wars, Jesus says, do not be afraid, but let these things remind you that I am coming again. The same of other calamities, wildfires, tsunamis, floods, storms, famines, earthquakes. Yes, we need to respond and help those in need. But these are judgments and they need to serve to remind us who is ultimately in control. The one who is center stage. It's important to remember these judgments are directed towards nations and the ungodly for their opposition and persecution of the church. We really are on the winning side and we need to remember that. So these first six trumpets are like warning signs uh, which are there for a reason. Now I've got a warning sign here this morning. I've borrowed it from Chris Large because I didn't have one. I should have one really, shouldn't I? This is a warning sign that uh, you put when you've had a a car, your car breakdown, or you've had an, an accident. These are like warning signs for us. 
I don't know if any one of you have taken your um, driving test recently, but in the highway code, the triangle is a symbol of a warning sign. Does anyone have any idea how many uh, warning signs, anyone with the triangles, um, warning signs there are in the highway code? Have a guess. Uh, the triangular ones, not all of them. There's nearly 50 of them. And the warning signs um, are things like stop, uh, roundabouts, crossroads, dual carriageways, those sorts of things. So we need to take note of the warning signs when we're, when we're driving. Medical professionals look for warning signs. When you go to your doctor, he will look for warning signs. Temperature, blood pressure, pulse, pupils, hands, skin, descriptions of pain, location of pain. They're all warning signs um, for the medical professional. Health and safety, they have loads of warning signs, don't they? Our tankers have written on what they're in them. We seem to be uh, go overboard on warning signs, um, everything that you can think of, including cigarettes and weight restrictions, and oh, the, the list is endless. There's other warning signs, isn't there, in life? When your friend, uh, your school colleague, your college colleague turns up on a Monday morning and they're not themselves in some way, what's that a warning sign of? We live in a world, don't we, where there's lots of warning signs around us. So what can we make of these warning signs? Jesus said, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect like a thief in the night. So let's take these warning signs um, that we've read about seriously, not to be troubled by them, but to live in light of them, live intentionally, not wasting our time, being ready for when Jesus returns, living expectant of his kingdom to come in power and in glory. Jesus spoke, didn't he, about ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five were not ready. Let's heed the warnings. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's live ready for Jesus to return. So angel number seven, I'd just like to read this, this one because Mo didn't read this to us. The seventh trumpet is found in um, Revelation 11 and verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken, you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time of, for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding of your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. This is the last trumpet. Here we are shown an insight into the loud voices of angels and of the saints with the song of heaven. The kingdom of this world has now become fully the kingdom of Jesus. And that is what we look forward to. 
All the enemies of Jesus have been defeated. His kingdom is here and now, forever and ever. He shall reign forever and ever. This is the end of history as we will know it. Did you notice that little phrase in the song, who is and who was? In chapter 1 and chapter 4, John speaks of Jesus as the one who is and who was and is to come. No need to say that now in John's vision because Jesus is fully center stage. Jesus is on his throne. If you could cue the CD for me, that would be great. John is now seeing a vision of the end of the reign as the beginning of the reign of Jesus the King with great power forever and ever. John is seeing the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 25 when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. I've got a CD to play for us. It won't be the sort of music all of you will like, but it's Handel's picture of uh, what John saw. It's just a, a couple of minutes. listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit Christchurchhailsham.org.